let's go ahead and dive into the word of God. Going to be in the book of Ruth, chapter number one, starting at verses number one today. Ruth, uh, chapter number one, verses number one. If you have your Bible or your electronic device, let's make our declaration of faith. Somebody shout, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I am a believer and not a doubter, a doer and not just a hearer. And my life, come on, everybody, and my life is the better after hearing, obeying, and applying a word from the Lord. Book of Ruth, chapter number one, starting at verses number one, the Bible declares, in the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. So a man from Bethlehem in Judah, together with his wife and two sons, went to live for a while in the country of Moab. The man's name was Elimelech, his wife's name was Naomi, and the names of his two sons were Malon and Kilion. They were Ephrathites from Bethlehem, Judah, and they went to Moab and lived there. Three declares, now Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left with her two sons. But it's okay because her two sons married Moabite women, one named Orpah, the other Ruth, after they had lived there about 10 years. Then both Milan and Kilion also died, and Naomi was left without her two sons. She was also left without her, without her husband. Father, now in Jesus' name, I'm asking you for great grace and for mercy now. Don't want to just go through the motions, Father, with no devotion as I minister this word, God. But I'm asking that your presence, that your anointing would rest upon me, God, and give me the necessary grace to minister, God, mercy to the lives and to the hearts of your people on today. I'll be careful to give your name, the praise, honor, and all the glory. And it is in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, amen, amen, amen. Uh, so for the couple of, past couple of weeks, God has really just been kind of stirring my hearts um, as, as I was closing out the series on worship, God begins to deal with me about grief. And one of the things that I, I heard him say to me, one of the things that he ministered to me was the fact that in our, in our state right now, current state right now, that we are a grieving state, we are a grieving nation, the world itself is in great mourning. So, so I thought it was necessary to deal with grief in the hour that we're in right now. So we're beginning a brand new series simply entitled Surviving Loss. There are some of us that are grieving and we don't know that we're grieving. And the reason that we're in that position is because we have a limited definition concerning both grief and loss. But I want to help you on today. I'm going to define grief as one's response to an important loss. That's right. That's what grief is. It is an individual's response to an important loss. Excited about next week's teaching because we're going to talk about different grieving styles because there are times when we somewhat demonize others because their grieving style is different from ours. We'll get into that next week. So grief is defined as one's response to an important loss. Loss, I'm defining it as the, the deprivation or ceasing to have something that one formerly possessed or to which one was attached. So when you, when you lose something, when you, when you lose something that you are attached to, you no longer have that attachment, it is a loss. If you're taking notes, help me minister this to your neighbor so we can all gain an understanding. All loss gives rise to grief. Just, just put that in the chat just for a moment. All loss gives rise to grief. 
That's why many of us are actually grieving right now, and we don't understand where we are. Matter of fact, some of you guys have posed the question, or you've, you've just said to yourself, I don't know what's wrong with me. People around you have asked, girl, what's, what's going on with you right now? And you're trying to figure it out. The reality is that many of you right now might be grieving because of a loss, and you might not know you're grieving because some of us only attribute loss to a death, but there are different types of loss. I want to help you just for a moment. Uh, for types of loss that I want to highlight. Number one, what's known as a relational loss. That's seen in an example, of course, of a death, um, divorce, and my wife has already mentioned it. Even in dementia, if you have someone in your life that's experiencing dementia, you are probably grieving because of the relational loss. I'm no longer able to relate to my past, my past uh, uh, a loved one. I'm no longer able to relate to the individual who has dementia because maybe they don't even remember who I am, so you are grieving a loss. Then you have what's known as a role loss. If you've ever been fired, if you've ever retired or experienced being an empty nester, you're probably grieving because of a role loss. Now, what's interesting about these three things, if you're one of those individuals who wanted to leave your job, you wanted to retire, or you were ready for the kids to get outside of the house, what, what, what uh, research shows is in the first few days, a few weeks, you experience a surge of joy because whatever pain the children or your job was causing you, it has been lifted. But after a few weeks, you go through a depression and you begin to grieve because although you are experiencing joy because you no longer have that stress, you grieve because the role has been lost. Then you have what's known as a functional loss. You guys stay with me. This is a long introduction, but I want to help somebody. A functional loss is when you have a disability, dismemberment, or body deterioration. My, my wife, she said to me last night, she said, did you go up and check on the kids uh, before you went to bed? I said, no, I did She said, why you didn't check on them? I said, because my knees hurt. <laughs> so so I'm experienced. I'm grieving right now because I can't run the way I used to run. I've, I've lost the ability to run long distance the way I used to. So there's what's known as a functional loss and then finally a systemic loss. And our world right now is grieving because of a systemic loss. If you've ever been forced to move to a new city, upgrade in technology, or experiencing a pandemic where you can't go back to your normal routines of doing things, that is a type of loss. And our world right now is grieving. I'm, I'm letting you know today that all loss produces grief. Now, when it comes to grief, there are some believers, well-meaning believers, that try to demonize certain people because of their emotional expression or or whatever expression of grief they have. The devil is absolutely a liar. The scripture does not demonize, nor does it, nor does it uh, attribute or, or make you seem as though that you're less spiritual because you grieve. Paul didn't say we don't grieve. He says we just don't grieve like everybody else. I wonder, can you say amen there? So what my assignment is, yes, yes, my assignment for the next couple of weeks, I want to talk about things that we do that are counterproductive to the grief process. Yes. So all of us are going to experience loss, whether it's a systemic loss, whether it's a role loss, whether it's a relational loss. It's a part of the human experience. All of us are going to experience some type of loss. Therefore, all of us are going to go through some form of grief. God is not against grief. The Bible is not against grief. The Bible does gives us parameters how that we as believers should grieve. And there are some things as believers that we are doing that are counterproductive to our spiritual life. And if you You'll give me just a few just a few weeks. I believe that this is gonna be an extreme blessing to you. So watch this in the book of Ruth, 
chapter number one, Naomi has experienced all, all types of law, all four of these types of loss. Uh, she's experienced the relational loss. Uh, with with the, the loss of her sons, the loss of her, her husband, and because of this relational loss, she's now experiencing a role loss. She is no longer a, a wife. She's no longer a, a mother to Kilian and Milan. She's a, experienced a systemic loss because she had to move from Judah to Moab, and she's experienced a functional life. By, by virtue of her age, her body is deteriorating. So she is a woman that's in great grief. From the beginning of the text, we find Naomi in great grief and the grief only begins to intensify with the death of her husband and then her her sons so look at her speech concerning her daughter-in-law she blesses her daughter-in-law she says to them in Ruth chapter number one verses number eight Naomi said to her two daughters-in-laws go back each of you to your own to your mother's home may the Lord show you kindness as you have shown kindness to your dead husbands and to me May the Lord grant that each of you will find rest in the home of another husband. Then she kisses them goodbye and they wept aloud. So she speaks to Orpah and Ruth and she bless, she pronounces blessings over them. But look at verse number 20, what she says concerning herself. When we get to verse number 20, she speaks about herself. Watch this. She blesses her daughter-in-laws, but then she turns around and she curses herself. She says, don't call me Naomi. The word Naomi means delight. It means pleasant. She says, no longer call me pleasant or delight. She says, call me Mara, which means bitterness call me Mara because the almighty has made my life very bitter look look at her theology concerning God in the midst of her grieving she says in verse number 21 I went away full but the Lord has brought me back empty why call me Naomi delight the Lord has afflicted me the almighty has brought misfortune upon me if you're taking notes I need you to jot this down watch this resist the temptation to rename your destiny in the midst of your pain I want to let that marinate just for a moment. Re resist the temptation to rename your destiny, my friend, because of the grief and the pain that you're currently going through. I want to help just a couple of people because I see this pattern in the world. I see it in the body of Christ, and I even see it in the lives of certain biblical characters that I'm getting ready to highlight. When we are suffering great grief, by default, many of us get to cursing our future. We tell ourselves, well, we're never going to, I'm never going to love again. I'm not going to move on with my life. I'm not going to continue to live. I'm never going to trust anybody ever again. I'll never find anybody like this again. I'll never move on to start my own business again because of great loss many of us open up our mouths and we curse ourselves but I'm telling you today the devil is absolutely a liar if I'm your pastor today and this is this is pastoral counseling that's right for the next couple of weeks if, if I'm your pastor I need you to listen to my voice on today and you stop cursing yourself because of the grief that you're currently going through and the book of Proverbs chapter number 18 verse number 21 watch this the Bible declares that, that, that death and life, watch this, are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. In essence, he's saying that those who understand this power in your mouth, that they live a productive and fruitful life. Those who don't understand the power that, that death and life lies in the tongue, those are the ones who creates chaos for their lives. 
Now let's break this scripture down just for a moment to understand what it means and what it doesn't mean. What it does not mean is that we as believers, that we have creative power for our destiny. That's not what the scripture is saying. It's not saying that we have creative power. It's saying that we have agreement power. For, for, for those of you guys, and I have great friends who disagree with me on this particular point, they say that it's, it says that we have creative power. But the reality is, what is it, my friend, that you are creating for yourself that God don't already have in store? store for you. So it's not creative power that the Bible is talking about. It's agreement power. When your words are, when they come into alignment to with what it is that God has for your life, it produces fruit in your life. I'll give you a proof text in the book of Hebrews chapter number four, verses number one. The Bible declares, let us therefore fear lest a promise being left us of entering into his rest. Any of you should seem to come short of it. Now, how is it that God has a promise for me and I miss the promise that he has in store for me? Well, verses number two of Hebrews four gives us the understanding. It says, for unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them. But the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. So the man of God is saying that there was a word that came to the people of God over there and they missed the productivity of that word. They missed the fruitfulness of that word because they did not come in agreement with what, what was spoken. But he said concerning us, come on somebody, he said that there was a word from the Lord that came to us and we aligned our hearts, our, our thoughts and our mouths with what it was was that God spoke in our lives and because we came in agreement with what God spoke in our lives it produced great fruit on the inside of us the power of life and death lies in the tongue my friend when you open up your mouth and you speak in agreement with the spiritual force that have already that have already spoken concerning your destiny it produces fruit now here's the deal if God speaks a word and you come into agreement you reap life but if you allow the enemy, come on somebody, to speak to you in the midst of your situation and you come in agreement with what the enemy has said concerning your destiny, then it produces death in your life. And there are some of you all in the midst of your pain and sorrow, in the midst of grieving. The enemy has planted some type of seed in your heart and you have opened up your mouth and put limitations on your future. Oh, I want to help somebody in this place. You have put limitations on your own life because you have come in agreement with a negative word that was speaking out of a painful heart. There are some of you guys right now, again, this is pastoral counseling. If I'm your pastor, man, I need you to hear the words that are coming out of my mouth. There are some of you guys right now, you can't afford to talk right now. You can't afford to say anything right now because your heart is broken. You can't make plans concerning the future. Not right now, my friend, because your heart is broken. And if you open up your mouth and you speak some things, see, watch this. The devil is a real bully. He's a relentless bully. It's one thing to just kind of pick on me. It's one thing to kind of kick me. But it's a whole nother level, man, when you see me down and out and you still come and kick me. And what the devil desires to do, he tries to take advantage of your grief. He tries to take advantage of your sorrow. And if he can get into your head when your heart is broken, if he can get into your head when you are feeling depressed and anxious in your heart, my God, and get you to utter words, he knows, my God, by your words are you justified. And the Bible declares by your own words, my friend, are you condemned. In the book of John, chapter number 13, the devil does something. Watch this. Surprising. 
Because there are some, there are some that feel as though that no, I'll never say anything like that. I'll never do anything like that. And I don't believe that Judas just woke up one morning and said, you know what, I think I'll betray the Son of God. But what happened, the devil took advantage of a hard place that he was in. What was the hard place that he was in? He got openly rebuked by Jesus because of what he said in the woman that, that, was, that was washing Jesus' feet with her tears and drying it with her hair. He got in trouble with Jesus. Jesus openly rebukes him. So he's feeling some type of way concerning Jesus. So this is what the devil does. He takes advantage of a, dis, a, a difficult time in Judas's life. John chapter number 13, verses number two, the Bible declares, and supper being ended, the devil having now put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. So in the midst of him feeling some type of way against Jesus, the enemy plants a seed. Watch this. And what does Judas do? He comes in agreement with the seed that was planted in his head, and it produced death and not life in this life. Pastor, you being hard. No, I'm not being hard, man. I'm trying to be a good pastor, and I'm trying to help you out of a difficult space because watch this. If, you, if, you, if you'll help me today, just put this in the chat. There is life after loss. There is, there is life after loss. You, you lost a spouse, but I'm telling you today, there is life. I'm not trying to, to, to define what that life looks like, but I'm telling you today that there is life after loss. You lost a job. You got fired from a job. I'm telling you today, I don't know what the future looks like. I don't know if, that, if it will prompt you into an entrepreneurial endeavor. I don't know if a better job is awaiting somewhere. I don't know what God has in store for you. I don't know if you're going to find that you got an inheritance that's been laid up for you. I don't know what it is, but I I do know this, even in the midst of loss and grief, there is life after loss. I wonder, can you say amen right there? So again, Matthew 12, 37 says, for by your words, you will be justified and by your words, you will be condemned. And, and some of you guys, you tripping right now. You tripping, you tripping, you tripping. Your heart is broken. You just lost someone dear to you. You just lost an opportunity. You just lost something that was, that was close to you. And, and you, you've opened up your mouth and you're, you're cursing your own future. You are limiting your own future. I, I want to give you some biblical examples. In the book of 1 Samuel chapter number 4, verses number 21. And I'm trying my best to take my time, y'all. 1 Samuel chapter number 4, verse number 21, what's the context? The priest Eli has, has died. He, he fell over backwards in his chair and broke his neck after hearing the ark of God was captured. Phinehas died in battle. Again, the ark of God, which was the symbol of the presence of God, has been taken away. It's been captured by the Philistines. And Phineas's wife now looking at her baby boy, knowing, watch this, she's grieving because she got the news that the ark has been captured. Her, her father-in-law has died and her husband has been killed in battle. And this is what she does. She names her future based on her current pain. She looks at her son in verse number 21 and she says, your name is Ichabod, the, the, the name Ichabod, it means no glory. For the rest of your life, your lineage will be called no glory. I'm telling you, the devil is absolutely a liar. She makes a destiny decision. She renames her future based on her current pain. And I'm telling you today, don't you do it. In the book of Genesis, chapter number 35, verses number 17, Rachel is in a desperate situation. She has lost her father. She's lost relationships with him. She's tripping with Jacob right now. And she's going through a turbulent pregnancy right now. And in the midst of her pain she's getting ready to name her future something that it shouldn't be named the bible declares and as she was having great difficulty in childbirth 
The midwife said to her, don't despair for you have another son. And she breathed her last for she was dying. And she named her son Benoni, which means son of my bitterness. In the midst of her pain, she renamed her future. I'm telling you today, the devil again is a liar. Let me give you another opportunity to look at this in the text. In Genesis chapter number 37, verse number 35, Jacob just got the news that his son Joseph has been murdered. He's been killed. Now we know because we've read through the text that he's been sold into Egypt and in the end he's going to be okay. We know that because we've read the rest of the story. But in the middle of this narrative, if Jacob doesn't know what's going on, he just gets the coat of many colors that he gave to Joseph and is dipped in blood and he's saying that my son has been torn by a wild beast. Look at the words that come out of his mouth. He says, verse number 35, the Bible declares, all his sons and daughters came to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted. No, he says, look, look at this, look at this. I will continue to mourn until I join my son in the grave. Now, oh my God, I, I just want to deal with it just for a second. Jacob said, he opened up his mouth and he cursed his future. Not only did he curse himself personally, he cursed everything around me, around him because he said, in essence, I know I got 10 other sons, but I'm not going to be a good daddy because I lost this son. I know I got a wife, but I'm not going to be a good father. Come on, somebody, because I lost this son. I know I'm a, I'm a pillar in the community, but I'm not going to fulfill my responsibility because of the loss that I have. The devil is absolutely a liar. And what the devil desires for you to do is to limit your future based on the loss in your past. Now, this is what's crazy to me because if you read the rest of the text, J Jacob, excuse me, Joseph was stolen away at the age of 17 years old. We see that at the beginning of this story. He's 17 years old. He has the dreams. He tells his brothers. Brothers get jealous. They sell him into slavery. At the end of Joseph's life, when he's reunited with his father, I don't know how old he was. All I do know is that he was a grown man. And when Jacob thought that his son was dead, he says, I'm no longer going to be a good father to the rest of my sons. I'm no longer going to be a good husband to my wives. I'm no longer going to be all that God, oh God, I'm no longer going to be all that God desires for, to, for me to be because of this loss. Look at verse number 27 in chapter number 45. When he finds out, that Joseph is not dead. Now, this is years. It could be 10 years. It could be 20 or 30 years. Again, don't know the time span. He was stolen away at 17, but he's, a, he's well grown now when we get to chapter number 45. Look at what the Bible declares. But when they told him everything Joseph had said to them, and when he saw the carts Joseph had sent to carry him back, look at the Bible. Look at what it says. It says the spirit of their father, Jacob, revived now, I'm, I'm tripping on that. I'm tripping on that. So you mean to tell me, Jacob, that you have chosen to rename your destiny because of, you mean to tell me that you've chosen to curse your, curse your future because of the loss of your past. He was physically there, but emotionally, mentally, spiritually, he was no good to his family. And you want to know what's even crazy? I didn't put it in, the, in my slides, but what's even crazy, now God speaks to him in the next chapter. God has been silent in Jacob's life for years because he chose not to live because he thought his son was dead. How many of you right now 
A walking dead. I'm not picking on you, my friend. I'm trying to help you because I'm telling you it's not fair to you. It's not fair to the people around you. And it's not fair to the God who created you because while you're thinking that life is over, God says there is life today after loss. I wonder, can you say amen? So I'm challenging you today, my friend. You need to resist the temptation. And it's there, it's present there. I know, I know, I know it's there. I'm, I'm getting ready to give my own testimony within the past, next couple of weeks. You're going to hear a whole bunch of testimony because you're looking at a guy that, watch this, that have gone through great grief and that is currently experiencing great grief. You, you, you hear me? You, uh, you, you're looking at a guy right now that have gone through great grief in my life. And I'm currently experiencing great leave. Matter of fact, God began to speak to me about what's going on in society after he started dealing with me because I was tripping in my own self. And I had to ask God the question, Lord, what's up with your boy? Why am I feeling the way that I'm feeling right now? Why am I going through emotionally? What's going on in my spirit right now that I f- it feels as though that I'm troubling it? And, and God had to reveal to me that you are grieving, my son. You may not have had a physical loss, but all of these losses around you are causing grief in your heart. And I was beginning to open up my mouth and speak negativity against my future. But I had to repent. I'm telling, some, I'm telling you today. I had to come. I had to retract some words. Come on, somebody. And I want to encourage you to do the same today because there is, there is life after loss. I'm almost to my point. So watch this. Words can bind, but binds can be broken. Words can bind. I'm telling you. The scripture declares, by your words are you justified, by your own words you, you are condemned, okay? The Bible declares power of life and death, it lies in the tongue. So you literally have the ability to speak death over yourself. And what you speak is binding. Woo! Hold it right there. You have the power, sir, madam, to speak death over your situation. The enemy planted a thought in Judas's mind. Judas came in agreement with that thought and it produced negative fruit in his life. I'm telling you, you have the power to curse yourself. So words can bind, but I'm telling you today that binds to God be the glory. Just type in the chat, they can be broken. Binds can be broken. And I'm getting ready to show you how they can be broken today. In the book of Numbers, chapter number 30, verses number 1, something very, very powerful is happening in this particular text. Moses is giving instruction, and he says, Moses spoke to the heads of the tribes of the people of Israel, saying, this is what the Lord has commanded. If a man vows a vow, if he, if he comes into agreement with the word that has been spoken, watch this, if a man vows a vow to the Lord or swears an oath to bind himself by a pledge, he shall not break his word. He shall do according to all that proceeds out of his mouth. Look at verse number three. So now it's getting ready to give instructions concerning the woman in the house of her father. If a woman vows a vow to the Lord and binds herself by a pledge while within her father's house in her, you know, it's, it would be as if charity was vowing a vow. Charity was, was coming to, into agreement with a particular word. If she does this, watch this, verse number four says, me as the father and her father hears of her vow and of her pledge by which she has bound herself and says nothing to, nothing to her, then all her vows shall stand. And every pledge by which she has bound herself shall stand. But look at five, man. This is powerful. But, somebody just type but 
I love this. But is a big eraser because when you put but behind any word, whatever you previously said, doesn't make any never mind. Watch this. But I know she vowed a vow. I know she cursed herself. I know she said that I'm ugly. I'm, I'm not beautiful. I, I'm never going to be. Nobody's going to ever love me. I can't go. I know you said that I can never go on with my life. I know many of you guys right now, you have said that, that, that I'll never love again, that I'll never find anybody again. I'll never find a job like the one I love. I know you have said that. But but is the big eraser. So the Bible declares, but if her father opposes her on the day that he hears of it, no vows of her, no pledge by which she has bound herself shall stand. And the Lord will forgive her because her father opposed her. What is this scripture? What is it? What is it speaking to? It's speaking to spiritual authority that has the power to break negative words. Spiritual authority. Authority that has the power to speak negative words. So if I'm your pastor, and even more, if I'm your spiritual father, I want you to just lift your hands right now. Lift your hands wherever you are right now. And as a spiritual father of this house, I curse the assignment of the enemy over your life now in the name of Jesus. Every idle word that you have spoken against your destiny, against your future, against the people that you love, I curse the assignment. I, I break the back of the enemy now in the name of Jesus. Those words will be canceled now. Just somebody shout now. Yes, they will be canceled now in the name of the Lord Jesus. I break it now in the name of Jesus. If one with spiritual authority speaks against the vows of the one in the house, they shall be broken. I, I break it now. Every word of death, I break it now in the name of Jesus. Some of you have said, I'll never get along with my husband. I'll never get along with my wife. I break it now in the name of Jesus. Our family will never come together. I break that now in the name of Jesus. I'm never going to get my money together. I break that now in the name of Jesus. I guess I'm going to always be like this. No, baby. Oh, my God. I want you to know that I see you in the future, my friend, and you look better than you do right now. In the name of the Lord Jesus. But if her father opposes her on the day that he hears of it, no vow of hers, no pledge by which she has bound herself shall stand. And the Lord will forgive her because her father opposed her. Look at, look at verse number six and seven. This is crazy. If she marries a husband while, again, this is speaking, this is not dominance. It's speaking of spiritual authority. If she marries a husband while under her vow or any, watch this, thoughtless utterance. Thoughtless utterance. And it's easy to to, to give a faultless utterance when your heart is broken, when, when you are experiencing grief, when you are in pain. If she gives a faultless utterance of her lips by which she has bound herself and her husband hears of it and says nothing to her on the day that he hears, then her vow shall stand and her pledge by which she has bound herself shall stand. But if on the day that, he, that her husband comes to hear of it, he opposes her, then he makes a, ooh, this is so good. Then he makes void her vow that was on her and the thoughtless utterance of her lips by which she bound herself and the Lord will forgive her. Man of God, look at me. Come, come on, man of God, man of God, man of God. I need you to look at me. I need you to look at me. How can you hear your wife say what she's saying and you not stand up and correct her? How is it that you hear your daughter talking to foolishness and you, sir, you, you, man, man of God, not stand up and say something? My, my wife, sometimes she'll get it. She'll be like, I'm just, I'm just, I can't just believe it. I'm just, I'm like, uh-uh-uh. I tell her, you talking about my wife. 
You might be talking about your body, but you're talking about my wife. So don't be talking about my wife like that. How are you just going to sit there and let your wife just utter words, uh, 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 fruitless words concerning you all's destiny? Because if she's speaking against herself, she's speaking against both of you guys. Come on, somebody. How are you going to let your, your baby boy, your baby girl just sit in the house and just say, I'm just, I, just, I just hate myself. The devil is absolutely a liar. You love yourself. You love God. And you love your family. I'm just, I ain't going to never get good grace. The devil is absolutely a liar. You are smart. You are intelligent. Baby, you got my blood on the inside of you. And we always win. Can somebody say amen to that? Rise up, man of God. Rise up, spiritual authority. Let me give you another proof text. I hope I'm not boring you on today. In Genesis chapter number 35, verses number 18. As she breathed her last, for she was dying, she named her son Benoni. Benoni means son of my bitterness. But his father stood up. Hold, hold on, hold on, Rachel. Hold on, Rach. I, I see you going through great suffering and great, great pain. And out of your pain, you now cursing the destiny of my son. But the devil is absolutely a liar. He takes the boy that was named son of my bitterness. And he says, no, your name will be Benjamin, son of my right hand. It's time for some of y'all to rename your destiny. Watch this. Because watch this. You don't have to wait on me as your pastor to speak concerning your future. The power of life and death, my friend, lies in your tongue. And if you curse yourself based on your pain, you can repent and bless yourself. Come on. What do you mean bless yourself? Begin to speak in agreement with what it is that God has said concerning your life can you say amen right there thank you Jesus I, I pray I'm blessing you I'm almost done watch this Ruth says <laughs> Ruth said she says don't don't call me Naomi mm, it's interesting it's interesting how yeah let me talk to the preachers and the teachers the reachers let me talk to the ministers let me talk to those who are in leadership for a moment uh, because we are sometimes the most guilty at this. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm talking to you, man of God. Woman of God, I'm talking to you right now. You with the title, you with the calling, I'm talking to you. It's amazing how it's so easy for us to stand before people like I am now, and we bless the congregation. It's real easy for us to look at other people that are going through challenging times, and we speak encouraging words to them. Girl, I know it's hard, but you're going to make it. Everything is going to be okay. Mm -mm. You better than that. Don't you settle for that. We encourage other people, but when we get into our own private prayer closet and we look in the mirror, with the same mouth we bless other people, we turn around and curse ourselves. And I'm telling you, it's time out for that. My it is time out for that. She blessed her daughter-in-laws and she encouraged them, go home. God has yet great things in store for you. You could possibly find another husband. I don't know. But God has great things in store for you. But she turns around after speaking blessings to her daughter-in-laws and she curses herself. She says, don't call me pleasant. Don't call me delight. Call me Mara because I am bitter. Now, let me tell you, if she stays in this vein, it won't be fair not only to herself. It won't be fair to the people she's called to serve, called to serve. Neither will it be fair to the God that she's supposed to be living it for. Because watch this. I could just imagine God sitting high, looking down low in amazement. Because you mean to tell me, Naomi, that you're so full of pride that you feel as though that this is, oh, God. 
as much as God loves his people, you think that this is all that God has in store for you. And I, I want to challenge somebody right now that's going through a very difficult time because you've experienced a great loss. I'm coming to let you know. Ah, you mean to tell me you think that that's all that God has in store for you? I'm not trying to tell you to replace the loss. I'm not trying to tell you how to go on with your life. No, 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 no. But what I am telling you that we serve a good, awesome, and powerful God, and he's, he's able to take all bitter ingredients, according to Romans 8, and work them together for your good. I'm telling you today to the Naomi's that I'm ministering to that God is not done with your life. God is looking down. He said, I got more for you. I'm not done. The reason it was a great loss because it was a great blessing. And you mean to tell me as your God, that's all that, that's all that I'm going to bless you with? I got more in store for you. Matter of fact, I got something so big for you, Naomi. You, can't even, you couldn't even come up with it yourself. You want to know what I got in store for you, Naomi? This is what I got in store for you. This, this, this daughter-in-law that you have named Ruth, I need you to groom her up and raise her up. And I need you to introduce her to a man by the name of Boaz. And I need you to train Ruth how to act in front of Boaz because I see them together. And if they come together, they're going to have a child. And, and the child that they're going to have, yeah, my God, he's going to produce a son by the name of Jesse. And the son that Jesse's going to produce is going to be named David. And out of the land, out of the lineage of David, I am going to birth my Messiah, Jesus the Christ. I got something so big for you, Naomi. How dare you give up on me now? Naomi, how dare you give up on me now? Because when you raise Ruth up, she's going to produce Obed. Obed's going to produce Jesse. Jesse's going to produce David and out of the lineage of David. Woo, the one that's going to be a blessing to the entire world. Naomi, you have a part to play in my redemptive plan. And I wonder what, what it is. What is it? What is it that many of you guys right now are missing out on because you have chosen. Oh, God, I'm trying to be sensitive. I'm trying to be sensitive. I'm trying to be sensitive. Whoo. Trying to be sensitive. <sighs> trying to be sensitive. Yeah. Because, again, I'm a man that has gone through great grief. And I'm grieving right now. <laughs> I'm grieving right now. But you know what I'm doing in the midst of my grief? I'm, I'm guarding my mouth. I'm guarding my mouth, and I'm making sure that the things that I speak that they're in line with what God has in store for me. It's in line with the word of God because I don't want to curse my own future and limit my potential telling myself what I'm never going to do because of the current pain in my heart. The devil is absolutely a liar. The devil is absolutely a liar. So here's my assignment today. I want to encourage you, number one, to repent. Can I talk to the believers for a second? There are some people that's watching me and you, you haven't made a commitment to Christ, but you feel Christ pulling on your heart. And I'm going I'm to I'm give you an invitation, just a moment where you can go ahead and ratify that deal today. But I just want to talk to the believers that's been cursing themselves. I want to give you an opportunity to repent now, man. Tell God, I'm sorry, God, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I said some words that were not good. Some words I said to people and then it was other things that I said to myself. Either way. When I watch this, the Bible declares out of the abundance of the heart. Does the mouth speak? So, so, so what, what it's not what it's not saying, it's not saying that every word that you, you just say, it, it is connected to your heart. Not not necessarily what's in your heart. The most continues to flow out. 
And there's some poison that you have continued to say because your heart is in agreement with something the enemy has planted there. And you just need to repent. Just turn today. Repent, we make it a negative word, but it's actually the most positive word in the entire Bible. It means to turn from what I wanted to do and go in the direction that God wants me to go in. Repent and just tell God, I'm sorry. God, forgive me. Just only in your own little private prayer tent right now. Yeah, whatever curse you've spoken over your life, over your children, he ain't, he ain't gonna never, she ain't gonna never, we ain't gonna never, whatever, repent now. What I'm telling you to do, I had to do. Yeah. Say, God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We'll never have a good relationship. God, I'm sorry. I never trust another person again. God, I'm sorry. That no. No, 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 no. As if God can't bring somebody trustworthy in your life. God, I'm sorry. Now, some of you guys, you've you've cursed yourself as a defense mechanism, and I understand that. But even in that, it's unhealthy because you've limited what it is that God can do in your life because you have your guards up. God, I'm sorry. For some of you guys, it's going to take some homework and you're going to have to spend some time meditating on this word because, ooh, ooh you, you've built up a, a, a fort around this particular area because you never want to experience that pain the way you felt it again. So you, you dug these words deep into the ground of your heart protect, to protect yourself. No, my friend. Naomi, God has more. He has in store. I'm not calling you Mara. I'm going to call you delight. Because what God is going to do in you, it is going to be a delight. So if you repent it, let's, let's take it to the next level. If the power of life and death lies in your tongue, speak life. Speak life. Speak it now. Speak it now. Speak it now. I will live again. I will love again. This marriage will work. There will be unity in my house. <sighs> my heart is aching now, but it's going to be healed. My heart is broken now, but God is, God is mendicant even as I'm speaking right now. Speak life. There's power and the words that you say. There's power when you come into agreement with what it is that God has spoken concerning your life. Speak life now. So let me talk to that brother, to that sister, that you feel a beckoning, you feel a call now from the Spirit of God. You know the story of the passion. You know that Jesus died for the sins of humanity and more than the sins of the world, he died for your sins. Yes, so you don't have to live in guilt and condemnation for the rest of your life. And you, sir, madam, you don't have to pay for your own sins in hell. Yeah. And that's what hell is. Hell is not a place that God sends people that he's mad at. But hell is a place that people go when they want to pay for their own sins. You don't have to pay for your own sins today because Jesus has already bore the sins of humanity, past, present, and future. He's already bore them. And if you will confess your sins to him today, my friend, yes, if you will confess them to him today and allow him to be the Lord of your life, He's not going to force himself upon him. He is a, yes, he is a gentleman. But if you, will, if you will allow him to be the Lord of your life, he'll come in. He'll save you. He'll give you a brand new purpose, a brand new direction for your life.